Have you all had a good break? I mean, I didn't see you guys last Sunday. I was off. <laughs> we were we were traveling up the coast. It was nice. Got to meet some people. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. All right. Happy New Year anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay. Let's start at verse 1, read a few verses. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, (laughs) but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does, does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God, is known by God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we're here today and that we we thank you that we get to worship you all day, not just with music, Lord, but we get to worship you here right now and receive from you. We get to worship you when we're spending time with each other. Lord, it is the highest honor to worship you. We love you, Lord. Speak to all of us right now. May your words go into our soul and change us. And may we live the way you've called us to live. We receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, this is talking about food sacrificed to idols. But I want to talk about a different kind of food that we eat all the time that's I was going to bring that up later, actually, but I want to talk about a different food that is more or less sacrificed to idols that we eat all the time, and it's right in front of our faces, and we don't really notice it very often because it's very common, and Paul actually kind of talks about it in, in, uh, at the end of verse 1. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. A terrible food that we eat all the time. It's called opinion. I want to talk about opinions. I didn't say false opinion. I just said opinion. Because every opinion has a problem. Now, I'm not talking about... It's okay to be aware of things, right? You're allowed to be aware of things. God gave us a brain. We're allowed to use it. We're allowed to think for ourselves. But when we look at something and we put an interpretation on it and then we accept our interpretation because we know so much, we're practicing pride. And you know how, okay, there's a stream, right? And a trickle starts to divert off the mainstream. What happens to the trickle? What does it do? Sorry? Okay, let's say it's not in Australia. (laughs) 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 oh gosh sorry it follows its own course and it paves the way for a new stream doesn't it and it start it can start its own river it has the potential to start its own something big and we might often think that you know my opinion's only a little bit wrong but it puffs us up a lot And it 
it creates a lot of pride. A trickle starts a river, but an opinion really, it can bring a lot of pride and it sets itself up against God, who knows everything. Now, an opinion, you know, the kind of opinion I'm not, I'm talking about, it's competitive in nature. Because it's all about self and it's, it's about pride, which means my opinion has to be better than your opinion. And we may not consciously think that all the time. But if I'm overcome by opinions or if I'm making opinions all the time, you know, I'm a know-it-all, and then my opinion has to be better than everybody else's, doesn't it? Yes? Okay, cool. My opinion has to be better than everybody else's and I have to be better than everybody else. So knowledge puffs up, the kind of knowledge that we're talking about. I'm getting stuck on my words here, I apologize. So what it does is... If I share an opinion, right? It, this is all it does every time. It either puffs me up and it puffs the other person up who's sharing an opinion with me or hearing from me. Or it puffs you up and deflates the other person because your opinion is better than theirs. Or their opinion is better than yours and it puffs them up and deflates you. They're the only three things that can happen. No good can come of it. Um, But in verse uh, 2 and verse 3, Paul gives us our focus. The first three verses of this chapter are like a, a real context that we need to focus on. So, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. Now, whatever I interpret... I don't actually know the whole story. I, I, I don't. And if I don't know the whole story, then my opinion is not complete. And if it's not complete, but I take it on board, it becomes incorrect because it's not complete. It's a humbling thing to recognize that my opinion is never actually complete. Never. So... When someone around me shares an opinion, I don't want to buy into it. I can't afford to buy in it, buy into it because it's either going to puff me up or it's going to deflate me and it's going to fuel the other person's pride or it's going to deflate them. Either way, it's sort of all based on self. But the person who loves God and is able to separate themselves from an interpretation, they're known by God. Now, if I love God, he's going to He's going to be intimate with me. He's going to reveal himself to me. That's the real perspective that I need. And I need to be in the habit of learning to trust God when things happen and not to not to give in to my frustrations, not to, not to react.
See, one of the biggest struggles I've had, right? I want to learn to walk in holiness. I really want to learn it. Now, I'm a bit of a, or how, how do you say it? I'm not very good at spiritual disciplines. Is anyone with me? I'm not very good at spiritual disciplines. I can read my Bible regularly for you know, a little while, but I'm going to start missing some days and then I want to get back onto it. Fasting or let's not even go there. I fast occasionally, not very often, and there's war. <laughs> there's war going on in here. I, I need some food, right? I'm a hungry man. Getting up to pray when I know I need to pray. Uh, maybe two weeks ago, right? Now, this is just a classic example in my life. No, I don't do this all the time, but this is what happens if I know I don't do it straight away. I'll, I'll be in bed and I know I need to get up and pray for something. But if I wait 20 minutes, I go, nah, I'll just, I'll just wait a little bit. And then I get up. 20 minutes later, my heart's not going to be in it. And I'm not even going to be able to concentrate when I pray. And I'm going to feel like I'm wasting my time. I really should have gotten up 20 minutes earlier. Now, that's just a simple example. But sometimes I really struggle to take time out to pray. Do you know, for the average Australian, if we spent just as much time reading our Bible as we do watching TV every day, we'd finish the Bible in around four weeks, cover to cover. There's 1,182 or 92 chapters in the Bible. Take us four weeks. That's confronting to me. <laughs> so walking in holiness is, it, it, it can be difficult because there's things in our faces all the time. But an opinion is something we carry around with us all the time and it stops us from walking in holiness because if we're practicing opinions all the time or we form opinions on everything, we're not listening to God's voice. We're listening to our own knowledge and we're setting ourselves up against God. We're not practicing God's presence and we're aware of it less often. And we often say, why doesn't God speak to me? He does. We're just listening to our own voice all the time. Are you with me? Okay, let's keep reading. We're going to read through this whole chapter, by the way. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. Hallelujah. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. I like the way Paul describes this because, I mean, when we're talking about idols, I mean, it can be whatever we hold as, as more important to God, or it can be something like a, a, an addiction, or it can be an actual idol that we worship, which, generally speaking, has a, a demonic influence attached to it. But that sort of power is infinitesimal to God. It's not worth comparing at all. Like a cockroach to my size 12 boot isn't worth comparing to God over evil spiritual influences because a million cockroaches could probably overpower me. Ugh. 
But, you know, not all the kingdom of darkness could overcome Jesus. Which means not all the kingdom of darkness can overcome you. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. But whatever I worship will have proportional access to me. Whatever I subscribe to will have influence and therefore power over my life. So if you worship something a little bit, it's probably going to have a little bit of influence over you. But if you worship something a lot, it's going to have a lot of domination over you. Now, I want to talk about our relationship with Jesus and the Father for a moment. John 4.34, Jesus is at the well and he's talking to the woman, right? And he's sharing with her and, and she runs off to town to go and tell everybody, you know, this could this be the Messiah? This is the man who um, told me everything about myself. Like he knows everything about me. And as the town's coming, the disciples are saying, Rabbi, you need to eat something. And he goes, I have food that you don't know about. And they're like, oh, what? Has he, has someone fed him? And he goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his good work. Now, Jesus didn't come to earth to do his own will. He didn't come to reveal himself in a sense. I mean, he did because when he reveals himself, he reveals the Father. But he came to reveal the Father and the Father is revealed in Christ. So, I mean, it depends on how you want to argue that. But... uh, John chapter 6, let's go two chapters over. Let's actually go there. John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. I don't... Bear with me for a second. I don't follow Jesus' will. I follow the Father's will. But Jesus needs to be revealed in me, and I need to become like Jesus in order to know the Father. Now we become like what we worship, and we become like what we love. We become like who we hang around, because the person that walks with the wise grows wise, don't they? So if I love Jesus, I'm going to become like Jesus, and that is the Father's will. Now for all you parents in here, Apart from worshipping God, is it not your greatest desire to launch your children from your shoulders and see them succeed? And so that's the Father's will. And 
Some of that used to confuse me back in the day because, you know, Philippians 2 talks about Jesus being elevated above the Father, and I thought they're equal, and I couldn't wrap my mind around it for a while. But that is every parent's greatest desire, to show off their kids. And for some reason, parents always think their kids are better than someone else's kids. (laughs) Even when they do silly things, oh, they're amazing, look at them go. But That's the desire of parents, and that's their heart. That's what they do. That's what the Father does with Jesus. And when we learn to walk like Jesus, we learn about the Father as well. We learn the Father's heart. And, I mean, our purpose in life is to follow the Father's will. But Jesus has already been launched from the Father's shoulders, and he's saying to us, hey, I've already done it. Let me show you how. You're going to become like me, and you're going to become more like, you know, the picture of the the child of God that my father wants you to be. Okay. We'll keep reading from verse 7. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause him to fall. See, gossip always comes from from an opinion, doesn't it? And I believe gossip is the number one killer of unity in the church, and I believe it's a huge killer in learning to walk in holiness and being aware of God's presence. Gossip is a manifestation of, I know everything. And it's, it's defaming to other people. And we need to be careful who we talk to things about. I mean, so in reference to food, I mean... So, so this is talking about eating in an idol's temple or eating food that's sacrificed to an idol. Paul's saying, look, don't worry about it. That's really what he's saying. Just eat it. Don't ask questions. Don't, don't worry about it. But if someone sees you eat it who, who doesn't really have that knowledge or, or have that understanding, it's going to be really difficult for them. It, it's sort of like alcohol, right? It's okay to have a drink. But if someone who's perhaps new to the faith or something like that sees someone who's mature in the faith having a beer, you know, sometimes they're in danger of thinking, oh, it's okay to get drunk. And then they, you know, then they use that and go and do the wrong thing. Food sacrifice to idols is sort of the same thing. In reference to opinions and gossip, There's a way to do things and there's a way not to do things. If I'm concerned about something, I need to talk about it with someone that's trustworthy and someone who's not going to 
develop an opinion because of what I say. So I need to be careful who I say things in front of because it can do someone else damage, whoever's listening, because it can be easy for me to say, well, this person did this and this person over here is listening and they go, well, they shouldn't have done that. And then they get upset with them and, you know, maybe they have an offense with them or something like that. If I need to talk about something, I'm going to talk about it with someone that is not going to dislike that other person because of what I say. I'm going to seek to understand it. You know, we, we do things for the right reasons. So we, we watch who we say it around, don't we? And so I want to talk for a moment about... I want to, I want to give a couple of points on on really how to how to kill gossip and how to kill opinions, how to stop forming opinions. Um, and the first one is, I mean, this week when you're doing whatever you're doing, just ask God to show you when you've developed an opinion on someone or something. It's really surprising just how much I can jump to any sort of conclusion, even if it's small. And, you know, maybe no one will know, but it's doing a little bit of damage in my heart. So (laughs) it might actually get frustrating the amount of times God does it. When we become aware of, of something that we're forming in our mind that we shouldn't form or an interpretation that we're taking on board, you know, what do we do? We repent of it straight away. We hand it to God. But God can also let us know if it's any of our business or not. If it's none of my business, I don't really want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to think about something that has nothing to do with me. My focus is to love God and be known by God. Galatians 525 and and 26 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Be interested in the person you're talking to. Sometimes... How many people here know that it can be really difficult if someone starts gossiping about someone else that it's hard not to join in? Or it's hard not to just stop the conversation without making the other person feel like you don't like them or something? How difficult can that be? I think the easiest way to avoid it altogether is to just genuinely be interested in the person you're talking to instead of bringing something else up that has no relation to, to you two talking. Now, it doesn't mean you need to talk about the person all the time or ask them questions about themselves all the time. But if you're genuinely interested in them, then you're showing them that you love them and that they're your focus. If you're interested in someone, you're invested in them in the conversation. And so you'd rather learn about the person you're talking to. 
You know, I didn't actually use my glasses. I have a pair of glasses here. They're Hannah's glasses. You know, yeah, I better not do that. They don't fit. No. I have a jar of dirt. <laughs> now, can everyone see this jar of dirt? This is Hannah's glasses. Now, if I have a little bit of opinion, right, I, I might look like that. I mean, I can't really try it on this way. I might try it on this way. Oh, gosh. I see better. No, I'm kidding. I don't. But that's annoying, not just because they're there, but you know, there's a little bit of dirt on the, on the side of my eye or the, or, the, or the side of my glasses. That's really annoying. But when we start to share opinions with other people and they start to share it with us, huh. I mean, that's what tends to happen, doesn't it? We, we tend to get dirtier and dirtier. And it, it's like our, our lens is just really dirty. Our filter is dirty. We can't see beyond ourselves. And we, it, it breeds offense. Opinion will always breed offense. It'll do it below the surface for all. You won't really notice that it's happening. But it will... It will start to change you and soon you won't be able to see anything properly and eventually no one will want to talk to you because you always know more than them. But if I love God, right, if that's my focus and, and someone comes to me with something, now it happens sometimes, people, you know, someone will come to you with something and they'll start talking about this person and you just kind of sit there. Sometimes it's difficult because you're only hearing their side of the story. You're not hearing both sides of the story, but you're still... Okay, what's going on here, God? You know, your focus is God. You're, you're, you're practicing his presence. I'm sorry, Hannah. I should have gotten a cheaper pair. No, that still looks pretty dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> when I focus on God, my lens gets cleared. And the more I learn to focus on God the more I just don't want other stuff in my life. The reason I'm talking about this today is because God doesn't honor growth if we don't be together. Coming to church on a Sunday is magnificent, but it's not necessarily what being together is about. Philippians 2 says, be one in heart and one in mind. You know, consider others better than yourselves. An opinion will always put itself against its fellow person. Every time. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, the highest in the universe, made himself nothing and taking the form of a servant. There was nothing opinionated about what Jesus did. We've been given the mind of Christ. So let's look out for the people next to us. And when we 
when someone we know does something that we think is silly, maybe it is silly or maybe we just think it's silly, one of the two, it can be really easy to to think something about them that we shouldn't. And the thing is, we're kind of right when someone does something silly. Remember when Miriam and Aaron opposed Moses in Numbers chapter 12? They had something against him and they said, you married a Cushite woman. That was true. And then they said, has God only spoken to you? He's spoken to us as well. That was true. But they were wrong. They were so wrong. And and then the Lord heard it. Oh, my goodness, the tension. And then he appears to all three of them. And he did speak to all three of them. He didn't just speak to Moses. And he said, the three of you, go to the tent of meeting now. You know when your dad tells you to, he's, come here, like, you know, you know, you want to be with the Lord. <laughs> That's what happened. And God was so upset. He spit in Miriam's face and the camp couldn't move for a week because she had to go outside the camp. Aaron and Miriam had an opinion. Most of the times, well, just about every single time that someone ever got in trouble in the Bible, it was because of an opinion. Abraham thought that the Egyptians were going to kill him because his wife was very beautiful. And you notice when it says that, it says Abraham thought. That's the word it uses. And so Abraham goes, pretend to be my sister. So they won't kill me on account of you. They'll probably take you, but they won't kill me. (laughs) And what happened? God put a curse on Pharaoh's house because Abraham thought something. And guess what? Isaac did the same thing. He thought the people were going to kill him and take his wife because she was very beautiful. And it said, Isaac thought, and it got him in trouble. And he said, pretend to be my sister so that you can get taken, but they won't kill me. I can't afford to think something that's separate from God. I mean, that sounds kind of weird because God has given us free will. But if I'm loosing myself of my opinion, that I, then I'm learning to submit to God's word. And if I... I can see things and assess and, I mean, that's where we ask for God's help and we ask for God's leading and God's guidance and God's wisdom. And then we can be trusted. You want to be a person that people can trust to come to and share information with? Then you've got to learn to lose your opinion. My opinion is always false. I have a very bad track record of having a false opinion. The, My favorite thing to say now is, I don't know. Sometimes it really frustrates Hannah when I just say, I don't know. Jamie, do you think I should wear a jacket? It's cold tonight. I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I say it a bit too much. (laughs) Ephesians 4.29. Let's go there. Do not let any, everyone say any. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up 
according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any, not, you know, don't let a lot. Don't let 99% of what you say be unwholesome. Don't let 1% of what you say be unwholesome. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building someone else up. If you love someone else, you're going to build them up. What's in the heart does come out the mouth. What we believe gets revealed. You can try and hide what you believe. You can't. It will come out. Whatever you think will come out. Most of the time you won't notice. I, um, I, I want to share something that God did in my life recently. Very recently, in fact. I've always had a problem putting service above people. Like I don't value people as much as I should. And if you were to ask me, you know, do you love people? I'd say yes straight away and I'd fully believe it, right? But when it comes to spending time with people, I'd rather, no, I've, I've got work to do. Which, guess what, is true. But I'm wrong. And um, well, something happened, you know, that, that really just hit me. My love for people was challenged. <laughs> it was really challenged and it was almost like an off-the-cuff comment. But it went right down into my soul and it just, uh, like I got shot with an arrow. And right in that moment, I knew there was something wrong with me that shouldn't be there. And I spent, you know, a couple of hours going through with God. What is wrong with me? What am I doing? And I thought about all the times I blew people off because I had something important to do. And God took me back to when I was a kid. And the first word that came to me was report cards. Report cards were a terrible time of the year for me because they were never very good. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, they weren't. It was true. (laughs) And... I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I was so scared of it. I mean, my parents are proud of me, but I thought, I thought my worth was based upon my performance. What I birthed then was an opinion. I mean, I was a kid, so I don't know how much control I had of it, but I formed an opinion and it it plot a course, a big course for the rest of my life. And God set me free of it. You know, even even just recently. I've I've addressed it before and, and you know sort of brought it to a manageable level where it's not as much a problem, but I, I never really dealt with it. But God recently just saved me of it but it all started with an opinion 
And the way God set me free of it was he showed me what happened on that day. And then I saw Jesus standing there in the kitchen with me and he was beaming with pride for me. See, it was God's perspective of me that set me free. So we need to rest in what God thinks of us all the time. And we need to rest in God's perspective of things that are happening around us. Because if we form things that aren't of God, we're going to plot a course and we're going to go down a dangerous way. We've got to learn to submit to God in all things. Walking in holiness is submitting to God in all things. And if we're developing opinions, I mean, it starts in here, but it comes out our mouths and it comes out in our actions and we begin to do things separate from God. And that's one of the biggest causes of walking in disobedience because I know better than God. I don't just know better than people. I know better than God. So it's very liberating trusting in God. So the more vigilant we are against our pride, the closer we come to the Father. And it helps us to hear God's voice. And we'll no longer say, why can't I hear your voice, God? We'll learn to hear it every single day. We develop the mind of Christ. Because that is God's purpose for us. God's whole purpose is not to see us saved. That's, that's the big step. But there's more. We must learn to develop the mind of Christ. Learning to free ourselves from our carnality and take on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we declare unity in this church in the name of Jesus. We declare one family, one body. Humble each one of us, God. May we not form things in our minds that are out of place. Help us to accept that we don't know much. We might see what people do, but we don't see their heart. You alone know all things. Help us to come to you and learn from you because you're gentle and humble. And may we find rest in you. Jesus, help us to look out for each other and to be in the corner of our friends. Help us to submit to you in all things and not to follow our own devices. Help us to focus on you, Jesus, and to love you. Help 
Help us to understand that we are known by you. Lord, we want to know you more every day. We thank you for walking beside us and for being proud of us. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to have your way in us. Amen.